Alright, this is Nancy Miller, and this is my Creative Life um, podcast, okay? It's an inspirational podcast where I go ahead and interview um, creative artists and their lives and their businesses. And today I have Quinn Johnson, who is the writer of The Elders of the Runestone, which is a comic book, and Kung Fu Panda, Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he's even written for Richie Rich and Megamind, so... Um, thank you, Quinn Johnson, for being a guest on my podcast. Absolutely. Good to be here. Great. Um, so I always ask some of these. Uh, I've got about 10 or 11 questions that I'm going to ask you here. And um, the first one is, can you go ahead and tell um, some of the people listening a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I grew up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, mostly, and uh, always loved you know, um, monsters and ninjas and superheroes and all that stuff. So, so I always knew at a very early age what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I knew, I knew that I wanted to, um, draw and write and create for, for comic books, for movies, for video games, um, you know, all that stuff that, that any typical boy loves. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, so I just, you know, spent my whole childhood just filling up sketchbooks full of drawings and concept ideas and stories. You know, I took a bunch of creative writing classes and just absolutely had a blast. Uh, I went to uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design where, because uh, I, I had the Elders of the Runestone comic book, actually the first idea popped into my head in ninth grade and, and it just really captured my attention and kind of became my, my life's work. And, and so because I wanted to pursue that and, and make that dream come true, you know, among all the other things I wanted to do, um, Savannah College of Art and Design seemed like a great place to go because, um, well, for one, I ended up, I served a, a two-year church mission in Atlanta, so mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, now I have kind of an idea of what Georgia's like and it's <laughs> not so intimidating, so that helped me make the decision to follow my dream and go there. They actually have a whole major called sequential art, uh, which is comic book storytelling, uh, basically storytelling with art, but it, you know, so it's comic books, it's video games, it's animation, it's concept design, it's all that stuff. So I went there and had an awesome experience. I met one of my very best friends, Robert Atkins, mm -hmm. who's a professional comic book artist and is just incredibly amazing, super awesome guy. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, he just started a, a new job as a professor there at SCAD oh. doing sequential art. So, so nice. it's kind of exciting that that's, uh, that, that, that happened for him. So anyway, so the two of us just became really good friends. And then I said, Hey, uh, I've realized I've gotten to the point where I've realized, yes, I still enjoy art, but I, after drawing my whole life, I've realized that, man, there are people here that are way, way, way better than me at the art and and i realized that the part i love the most is the storytelling aspect of it and and i still love art and i still you know i've been trained as an artist so i know i know what i'm talking about when i talk about art so but you guys can make but you can make it look way way better so so what i kind of the course that i took in my life at that point was to focus on the writing and then art direction and then to work with these super talented artists to uh, put these various projects together. So he and I have been partners on the Elders of the Runestone comic book for a long time, and we're finally, uh, finally, finally, after all these years, we're finally about ready to have the first four-issue miniseries completed. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's been really exciting. Um, 
since then, since I graduated from SCAD several years ago, I've been a freelance comic book writer, like you said, working on a bunch of different titles. And then I also uh, worked for Disney Interactive for uh, a couple years, working on the Disney Infinity video game series where I did level design um, and story. So I actually worked story narrative with that. Uh, I worked on just, just general gameplay design and various just various aspects of that. Um, wrote I worked for another video game studio after that as a contractor and wrote the script for that. Um, and then that studio actually went under, so that game will never see the light of day, unfortunately. Mm. And, uh, and then where I am currently is I moved to San Antonio for a job where I'm actually working for a company called Deep Root Pinball. And we're a new pinball company, and so we're actually it's pretty it's a pretty cool thing. So now I write story and game design for new all new original pinball machines. So so yeah, it's been kind of an interesting journey. Uh, and uh, but just it's been great to to do the things that I love and and tell stories and work with these incredibly talented people. And so yeah, so so it's it's been a good life. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. I find it interesting that it's like you went from the art part, went into writing, and I don't know that, um, I, I'm always um, fascinated, I'm also very jealous of people who write really well, because I feel like if you can take images and you're the writer, I mean, that's like amazing, and because it brings a whole new dimension to your work when you can put the words to it, and I find that, yeah, that's that's amazing that you can do that. Thank you. So, um, going back to your early days, um, when you were a wee kid, um, how do you remember, like, maybe the first time you really felt like, wow, this is what I need to be doing. I need to be, like, going into some kind of art field. What, what were, do you remember that? Like, what you were drawing and what kind of struck you about it? Yeah, I don't know if I remember, like, the specific moment. I just, you know, ever since I was a, a really, really young kid, I just was obsessed with with monsters that was the big one monsters and and then like masters of the universe with he-man and skeletor mm. like i just i remember i got that for christmas one time me and my older brother and i both got masters of the universe toys and that just like blew my mind and and you know Ninja turtles came along and so all those cool things and i just i just started drawing all the time i i don't know if it was uh, my older brother ben um would draw so he would draw and then i would basically like look at his drawing and then draw my own version of it and then like say hey look at this cool idea i had and my parents my my brother's like what the heck man he totally copied me and mm. and uh, so i just yeah so i just started drawing at a young age and just just drew and drew and drew and and uh yeah i mean so i don't remember like the specific moment but but i, I mean as soon as i started i never stopped and oh. and uh so that that creative path has always kind of been what my passion is so um, I will say, as far as the writing side mm -hmm. goes, um, you know, I just kind of taught myself to write. I just growing up, I just taught myself to write. I would write stories, and and like I said, in sketchbooks, I I draw and then actually, you know, do concepts. Basically, what is now called design documents um, for for games and comics and stuff like that. And uh, and then in ninth grade, uh, actually, well, you know, the same year, I I came up with the Elders of the Runestone idea. Um, I took a creative writing class where we wrote a lot of short stories and, and just, and I had an amazing teacher, Catherine Edfelson, and, and just wrote like crazy, just wrote and wrote and wrote. And so that was just, that was kind of a big, um, 
that was a big impact on me, just just really exploding with my writing as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that's a big long rambling answer to your simple question. Oh no, so. it's okay. I just think it's um a lot of the artists um writers that I've interviewed for so far. It, it's kind of interesting. Um, we all kind of don't always remember where we started from with the creative part of it. We just know we've always been doing it. And it's yeah. just something that's just a part of us. Um, I don't know if you ever find this, but if you haven't been doing something creative, like maybe the writing or drawing, um, I get kind of grumpy. <laughs> I get a little bit like edgy a little bit. Like I need to go back to that. It's like, oh, I, I know what's wrong. I haven't been I haven't been drawing and I need to do a quick drawing or something and it, it just like kind of recharges my batteries. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I have that. I, I usually am pretty, I mean, my brain is going all the time. And, oh, gotcha. And, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Oh no, it's okay. No, I appreciate your, you know, your honesty. So yeah. I was curious, are there any artists or writers that you are inspired by or that inspired you while working yeah. on your own work? Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, there's like everybody, there's tons and tons of artists and writers that I've really admired. Um, but the ones that like really come to mind for me. Uh, so like I said, when I was really young, like, like most kids, I discovered the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they took the whole world by storm and I was caught up in that and just was obsessed with the Ninja Turtles. And I still am. I still am like a huge, huge Turtles fan. And then, um, so again, my brother Ben happens to, he seems to come into these experiences a lot, oh, but sure. he had a, he had a sleepover one time, had a bunch of friends over and one of his friends brought this, this role-playing game book called uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. And it was, mm. it was based on, so the Turtles started out as like an indie underground black and white comic book. And, and I didn't know that, you know, oh. like most kids, I had no clue. I just saw the cartoon and that was, that was what I thought they started out. So I, so he had this, 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 uh, game book, this role-playing game book that was based on the original comics and it just completely blew my mind. Like, like this version of the turtles that was just, it was kind of gritty, you know, and just mm-hmm. really intense and cool. And the artwork was just phenomenal. And I mean, these were like the, the toughest, coolest turtles I'd ever seen in my life. And, and, uh. And so that introduced me to to the original. So Mirage Studios, you know, was was the creators of the Ninja Turtles, and that was and that was a partnership between uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, who who both sh- shared artist uh, art and writing responsibilities, and they just worked fully seamlessly with each other. So once I started discovering the the original Mirage Studios Ninja Turtles comics, like it just again just blew my mind and. And I still, so that was a huge, huge influence on me. One of the things that I loved about it was not only, I'm like, they had incredibly intense, awesome action scenes, but they also, you know, as ridiculous of an idea as Ninja Turtles is, right? Mm -hmm. They they took what was started out as just a ridiculous, over-the-top idea and really made these characters um, very distinct and very relatable. Like, each of the characters had very distinct personalities and and uh, and just made them just really fascinating, and the way that they interact with each other, and and the way that they just all kind of take, you know, work off each other and take a situation differently. Like it just basically became very easy to identify with these turtles. They just seemed like, like people, and right. and uh, and just so the, so the stories not only were action packed, but they were just very charged with, with 
characterization and, and really interesting storylines than that just really sucked me in. Um, so the, yeah, and that was a huge influence on how I wanted to write. You know, I, I kind of was like, and I, I think it was very subtle. When, you know, maybe at the time I didn't quite understand the significance of it, but I was like, when I write, I want to write and basically make characters that you really uh, care about and are really drawn to, and, and they're not just kind of fillers for, you know, an excuse for action, and oh, there happens mm. to be this character that is there, right? And and uh, so, yeah, so that was a big, big one. Um, another one that, that, I mean, so the Turtles, the Turtles comics, uh-huh. was, that was starting when I was really young and kind of influenced me all in, throughout my whole life. One that came later, um, more when I was, like, after I graduated college, uh, but that is still one of my favorite artists is uh, his name is Stan Sakai and he is the creator the writer and artist and letterer oh. uh, for the comic book series uh, Usagi Ojimbo which is about a it's a black and white comic and it's about uh, it, it's basically like an alternate feudal Japan but with samurai and ninjas but everybody are animals and so, so the main character Usagi Ojimbo is a rabbit samurai, and he he's like a, a masterless samurai that wanders the land and has adventures and helps people, and and it's just an incredibly like the Ninja Turtles. It's just an incredibly um, really cool character-driven story with just this huge cast of amazing characters and just really incredible storylines that you know go everywhere from from just samurai sword fighting action to intrigue, you know, political intrigue. They have, like, horror and supernatural elements that kind of pull in Japanese mythology, and they have some funny ones, and, uh, you know, they have, like, murder mysteries, and I don't know, so it's, so it's just this, and he just, and he does the whole thing, and it's like every, you're like, he's been doing this for over 30 years, and how could he possibly have anything else to say, but he still, he continues to do the series now, and, I mean, it's just this never-ending supply of incredible stories that, that never get old or repetitive right yeah. so plus he's a super nice guy i met him a couple oh. times in real life and he's just like one of the nicest guys ever so that's awesome so yeah that's great so i was wondering how do you stay motivated motivated to keep writing and working i mean because you you know you have your full-time job um writing stories for smith or pinball um machines uh-huh. but as far as like you know to make that time for your other creative writing outside of that yeah you know i just i don't know what it is but i just i just i love it i just really really love coming up with cool stories and it's kind of like i i I think of myself as a fan Mm -hmm. (laughs) when i'm when i'm making stuff and i basically make stuff that as a fan this is the kind of stuff that i'd want to see so so i'll you know like when i'm designing video game levels or when I'm writing stories or dialogues, you know, dialogue or, or creating characters, then I, I do things that would be really cool to me as if I were just a fan. And uh, and so it just gets really exciting when you can read the story that you've always wanted to read, but it happens to be one that you wrote, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so that's just really, really fun for me to do that. I uh, I just I just love it. I love coming up with, if, you know, I try to make like really clever and intriguing and engaging you know, characters and storylines and plots and mysteries. And it, so it's just, it's, I don't know, it's just fun for me. It's just fun and exciting. And it's just something that I just am very passionate about and I just love it. So well, thank you for sharing that with us. Now, do you like, are you like kind of pencil paper kind of person writer? Or are you like, you know, do you write on the co- computer? Is it just like, you know, I'm just kind of curious, like when you have an idea that yeah. just kind of hits you or you just 
just writing on a notepad or you just type it in uh, the computer? So generally speaking, I'm definitely a computer person because it's so much easier to just write. Well, as you can tell from this inter from this interview, I tend to ramble, and so it's much faster for me to just type everything in my mind and just like you know pour it onto the onto the page than if I were to write it. And my mm -hmm. my handwriting has vastly deteriorated over the years, and so it's way faster and, and more free-flowing for me to just type it all out. And then it's easier. I can go back and I can edit it and I can, you know, rework everything. I really love, one of the things that I like to do um, is, you know, ideas all come at different times and they don't necessarily all come in the the, the final order that they'll come in, like for, for the script or for a story. So when I get ideas, I'll, I'll, you know, I have like documents where I'll just jot down ideas and just do them as you know, like a couple lines or a paragraph or something, and, and they're not necessarily in order. And then later when I'm actually writing the script, because, um, I you know, I yeah. write down stuff like, oh, this would be cool if this happens sometimes, or this uh -huh. would be a cool thing to see. And, and then as the script, as I'm writing the actual, you know, script, okay. a lot of times those little moments and ideas will naturally work themselves into scenes. And I'm like, oh, this is a perfect place for me to wrap in this idea or this conversation between these two characters that I wanted to have. And um, you know, and a lot of times too, it's like you write down an idea, and then, and then you, as you're writing it down, it suddenly immediately gives birth to a, a further idea or iteration of that idea, and and soon what was going to be like a one sentence idea has become like two paragraphs, and and it just kind of writes itself, and and just gives birth to more and more cool ideas, and so yeah, and then you, you know, and then you pull out of that the final version of of what you know the Titus coolest part of that whole idea. So that's just generally how I write. You know, I do use, like, if I don't happen to have any, you know, my computer with me right away, then, uh -huh. then I, I do, like, take just a scrap, I'll just find a scrap of paper, I'll pull it out of the out of the recycle bin or whatever, and then just jot down a couple ideas and then keep it in my pocket until I get home and then type it all out. And so I do that sometimes, but, but generally the computer is my friend. <laughs> anyway, uh, I gotcha, yeah. Love, te love the technology to fix things on the fly. Oh, That's so, always nice. Right. Yeah. So I was wondering, um... Can you tell us a little bit about maybe what you're working on currently, whether it's with your with your day job or with um, with um, elders of the runestone or you know some of that? I, I could talk just a little bit about what I do for Pinfall. I you know I can't give specifics on most stuff, but um, kind of what I do for my day job at, at Deeper Pinball is so we are we are working on you know all new pinball machines. And the intriguing kind of task that I have is to how do you take a, you know because because you know like with with like a, a video game or a comic mm. book or a novel or a movie you know you're sitting there watching and they can give you a whole lot of information to just tell you this is what the story is. Uh -huh. Pinball game is different. You're like okay, so I'm, I have this big machine in front of me. I have two flipper buttons and I'm hitting uh -huh. a ball around a play field and hitting targets. How do you pull a story out of that? Oh. You know, how do you how do you somehow like put characters in there that people oh. like notice and even pay attention to, and and then how do you put personality and and an engaging plot or you know just to basically make make it's it's all about the the, the complete user experience, right? Like mm -hmm. what's 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 the complete user experience? So 
So a lot of that involves design documents. I actually work on design documents where I'm like saying, okay, so when you know there's this there's this cool thing on on the pinball playfield, um, you know, and so let's say I hit it with the pinball this many times. These are the lines of dialogue that the game will play. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the you know, and now with with pinball games, so over the last you know couple decades, they've they've had video screens, so you can put some animations on there and stuff. So let's say this is the visuals that you'll see. Okay. Uh, and then you know, and then there's music and all that stuff. So I kind of just write out design documents where I describe all the cool stuff and say this is what happens, this is what plays. You know, this is the this is the, the sound effects and the lines of dialogue you hear. This is the video that plays along with that. Um, and then and then I work with the artists and say, so this was my idea. <laughs> and uh, and so then I work with them to say, so when you actually create this art that's going to go in the finished game, this is this is what I first see it looking like. Okay. What do you think? And we kind of go back and forth and collaborate. So that's typically what I do. You know, so and then of, of course, as part of those design documents, I do write a lot of dialogue and. Um, some of the games it's really cool because I actually, you know, you don't necessarily get all this, like like a whole thing of text, and when you're actually playing the game. But on the design document, I I do a lot of universe building where I'm saying, okay, so these are these characters. This is their background. Um, here's all the stuff about this universe they're in, and then how do I, how do I, then once I have that kind of established, how do I hint at that, or or kind of point the player to that when they're playing the pinball game, you know, what line of dialogue will, will give them the idea of like, okay, that's, this guy has a history and this is probably what it is or, you know, that kind of thing. So that's really a, kind of a fun, a fun challenge and a fun experience to do that. Does that make sense? Any questions on that? Oh no, that's really cool. I mean, I just really didn't even know that that was a career. You know what I mean? Cause it's like not something that you really think of as, oh, they would need a writer for that you know, I, I just never even thought about that, so it kind of blows my mind. I was like, oh, that does make sense now. You know, I just didn't even think about that. There's somebody, you know, writing the stories and things like that and how they coordinate all that, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, and I didn't know either. You know, I didn't, when I saw the job opening, I was like, huh, I've never heard of that before, and so, and uh, and it's kind of cool because I think to, to, the, to the degree that we're pursuing that, that whole narrative idea, um, and with our new pinball games, I think we are delving much deeper into it than, than any other pinball game does typically. And, and, uh, and so it's really been exciting to kind of work. So where I'm, so a lot of it, they're kind of leaving it up to me saying, Hey, but something really cool happened. And, you know, we, we can't tell you exactly what we're looking for or how to do it, but okay. if you can help us, you know, establish what that test is and then you know, we'll, we'll trust you and support you and we'll give you feedback as we go. And then, so it's, it's really pretty cool that they give me quite a lot of freedom to, to just go for it. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. I mean, any, you know, when you work as a creative, you're like, that's always the best (laughs) place to be at. So, so, and then as far as the, um, you know, Elders of the Runestone goes, um, so, you know, like I said, it's just been this project that we've been working on for a long, long, long time. And it just, you know, because we work in a, on it in our spare time, and so it okay. takes time. And, and uh, you know, we did a Kickstarter for it like five years or six years ago. Oh, my gosh. See, it just okay. goes by so fast. And we're like, oh, my gosh, we're still yeah. trying to get this first miniseries out after six years. And uh, so it takes time. But, you know, but we just plug away on it. We work on the artwork. I, I uh, you know, I, I've written the script, and so I will go back and iterate on that here and there as needed. Um, and I've, I've actually revised 
the the main script several several times as my skills have improved over time and mm. and uh, as I get new ideas and then I you know I work with Robert I work with the other artists that we have on board and and uh, yeah so we just work on various aspects of it you know they'll I'll say hey this is what we need you know we need the art for this page and here's all my notes and all my direction for that. And then eventually they'll they'll get it back to me and we'll say that looks awesome. Maybe tweak this, maybe tweak this. So I so it's all about the art directing and and approving everything. And then I take that and and uh, you know and there's inking, there's the pencils, there's the colors. So there's several phases to each piece of the artwork. And then and then my job is you know just the writing the script and kind of directing all that is that I'll then take all that and organize it and put it all together into what will eventually be the finished comic book. So. So yeah, so there's always something to be working on, and and uh, yeah, fun. So that's kind of where things are with all these Wizard Rooms done. So. Well, I can't wait to see when it's you know finished, and uh, that'll be great. I'd love to buy some copies, and so yeah, I'll I'll be looking out for that, and I'll put a link um in the description box for the podcast so people can okay. find out more information about um about the comic. Um, I was just kind of curious though, what's the difference because. You've actually worked for already established, I guess, I I don't know if this is the correct term, kind of almost like franchise with, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, already have, like, set characters versus you actually creating this um, comic book series from scratch. Like, you know, what was the turning point? Because I find that really fascinating as an artist because, you know, you, you went from, you know... Like, kind of the differences? Can you explain that exactly? I mean, I don't know if I'm asking the question correctly or being very clear about it. Does that make sense? What's the difference between working as a writer for something that's already established in the comic book industry versus pulling something, basically, you know, giving life to something from scratch? It just, that fascinates me. Yeah. Well, um, so when you're working on an established property or, or, or you know, Intellectual property or IP is typically what you're, you know, what you're talking about when it's okay. something that has been created by somebody else, but you're just bringing brought in to add to it, right? Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because, in my experience, what we've done is they said, hey, you know, the publisher would say, hey, this is the this is the intellectual property um, that we have the rights to. We would like you to possibly write for it. So if you can first, first phase is basically come up with just a bunch of, you know, two line or one paragraph general ideas for stories. So send that to us. So I do that. And then eventually they say, okay, these are the ones that we think would work. These are the ones that we like. Um, these are the ones that won't interfere with other stuff that we already have going that you don't know about. Because um, sometimes that would happen. I actually had one story where they're like, yeah. That would actually probably step on the toes of a possible sequel idea that's already being tossed around, so we don't want to mess with that. And so there's stuff like that. You're like, okay. Okay. Uh, and so then the next phase typically was, okay, this is the this is the plot that it may have been written by you, or it may have uh-huh. actually been written by a completely different person who's no longer on board. Oh. Um, but we'd like you to now take it to the outline phase. Just give us a general outline of what the action is going to be and what's going to happen in the story. So once that gets approved, then they say, okay, now we're ready for the finished script. And you get to do that. And then, um, and so it's several phases, basically honing in closer and closer to what the finished final version is going to be. Throughout each one of those, there's 
tons and tons of approvals. So you're all you're constantly getting stuff back and forth, back and forth, where they're like, we really like this, or they're like, uh, yeah, we totally mm-hmm. that totally does not what we want. So if you could totally rework that and come up with something else, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had some scripts where they said, yeah, it's all done, great, and then like two months later, they're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. so we just heard back from the investors in the company and they said that well again that was the one where said this this might step on the toes of the sequel idea so mm. we basically completely change the entire oh. plot and make it so kind of similar but a completely uh-huh. different idea and one that in my mind i was like that doesn't even make sense but um, whatever okay. and so it's <laughs> like so go back and forth back and forth back and forth and mm-hmm. a lot of the time actually you know depending on the on the company but a lot of time you know these people you're working with are, are also you know they're very creative very talented uh-huh. people so a lot of times, even if you don't, you know, fully agree with their yeah. direction, you're like, yeah. yeah, these guys know what they're doing. They know what yeah. they're talking about. And, and a lot of times, you know, I, like scripts that I wrote became much, much stronger because okay. of their feedback. You know, they okay. took it in directions that I was like, oh, that, okay, that, that is an interesting way to go. And it actually makes it much stronger. Um, I actually had one that was kind of funny when I was working on the Kung Fu Panda mm-hmm. comic book. I had a line where a bad guy goes... Uh, so the bad guy was a fox, and there's a scene where she's threatening this, uh, like a pig, you know, a character who happened to be a pig mm-hmm. in this animal world, and and she's like, you know, you better do what I want, or else tonight I'll be dining on pork chops, right? Mm-hmm. And so the note I got back was, yeah, in the kung fu panda world, we kind of <laughs> stay away from the whole idea of these animals eating each other. Uh-huh. So yeah, if you could change that, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, that's that's a good point. And so I changed it to something else that they ended up liking better, and uh-huh. and. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so it's just interesting things like that. Um, just lots and lots of approvals. There's a lot of stuff where you'll have a great idea that they completely shoot down, and, and that can be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time where you're, you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to be done with this. Just oh. I don't, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I'll just be out of my hands now. And, um, but it, but at the same time, it's it's it can be super cool to work on an established property and have yeah. you know have your story be considered canon at that point, and and that's really exciting um that was so like when i wrote the issue of the ninja turtles comic book that was like a dream come true because the comics like i said that i absolutely loved growing up and and inspired me to be a comic book artist or a writer and then to be able to you know have my story become canon was like amazing and so so it's really cool plus it looks really good on your resume when you're you're then you know seeking other other Uh opportunities for work you can say hey i've actually worked on this big name property and I've got, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm legit, and so, and that was a really nice thing, so, um, and on the other side, you know, creating a property that, that's, that's completely original is awesome, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like all the stuff that I've ever wanted, and there's no one to say, nope, we're gonna said, you're like, this is the way I want it to go, and I can, you know, do whatever I want, and basically make the story that I've always wanted to make, so, and that's really yeah. cool, that's really fun to do that. Um, the, you know, and some of the challenges that come with that is, is now it's you that has to fund it and uh-huh. find a way to publish it and go through all that other stuff that usually these more established, more experienced publishers do all the time. And so you're kind of playing catch up and trying to figure out how to do it. And so, I mean, well, that's a challenge we still have. And, and, uh, so, you know, there's different, different, there's ups, there's goods and bads on, on both, both, both ways to do it. So, um. But yeah, but every you know, but it's all learning experience, and it's all it's all good experience that you you know if you didn't do it at all, you, yeah. you wouldn't have any of these growing opportunities. And so, 
Yeah, I think you'd always kind of regret, what if I hadn't tried, you know, what if I hadn't, you know, it's like, you know, now you'll, you you have something, you know, though it took, you know, it took six years, but I think it's just like, amazing that you took the risk. I mean, like, all of the creative people I've been talking to, they, you know, take those risks to, because of, you know, their passion and drive in love of what they're creating, and that, a lot of times that we get told and um, other people who aren't, you know, as into the creative areas, they're kind of like, well, that's not going to work out. Like, why would you want to do that? And it's yeah. great to hear from other artists, writers. Uh, that's part of the reason why it's to, it, it's very inspirational to hear people that are taking something that they created and bringing life to it. And people are going to get to enjoy it. They're going to be reading it. I mean... The, the work that I, the artwork has been, I mean, it looks beautiful that I've seen from your website, and I can't wait to, like, you know, um, my my students in class, they were like, when can we buy that? When's it coming out? You know, they're super excited about it and stuff, so I will be definitely buying quite a few copies. Well, I think, and, and I appreciate that very much, and, and yeah, and Robert and the other uh, artists that we work with are just incredibly talented, and, and I appreciate so much everything that they do, and I and I think to your to what you said, I think that is so true that that there you have to be willing to put your stuff out there and take a risk, and you know and make some sacrifices, uh, and you know and I try I'm the kind of person where I try to learn as much as I can and I try to learn from everything I hear, so so I was fortunately very. Um, encouraged by hearing lots and lots of stories of people who succeeded even when they, you know, like like public, like people who like got rejected by publishers like a ton, you know, like a hundred times and then they found the, the one that believed in them and suddenly Harry Potter was born or whatever, right? Yeah. Then oh, yeah. exploded. It was just the right, you know, the right place at the right time and, mm -hmm. and the only way, and this is a saying that I feel like I've heard this somewhere but it, it, it sounds incredibly wise when I say it, but it's the, the only way that nothing will happen is if nothing happens mm -hmm. you know if you do absolutely if you do nothing that's the only way that you've really failed and and when uh and with you know my first published script was that ninja turtles script mm -hmm. and the way that that and i'll just very briefly the way that that came about was i just thought to myself you know i think it would be super cool it'd be a live stream to meet the creators of the ninja turtles and then i saw that the very first New York Comic Con was going to happen, and I was like, "Well, I've never been to New York, but it, but but Peter Laird, who's one of the co-creators of the Ninja Turtles, is going to be there." And I said, "You know what? I'm just going to go. Never been to New York, but I'm just going to fly mm -hmm. out there and go to the show and meet him because wow. that would be really cool." And then I thought, "You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to meet him. I might as well write a script for the Ninja Turtles comic book, and which is what I've always wanted to do. And I'll pitch it to him. And worst thing he can say is, no, I'm not interested.' Mm -hmm. And yeah. and and it ended up being a you know. A, a huge blessing and and uh that it, i mean that happened to work out and and was the start to then building on you know that was the that was the big miraculous start to my writing career and and uh and then i was able to build on that but yeah it all it really just comes down to you have to have something to show you have to you have to do what it takes to have to make something that you can show with other people and then and then go for it right yeah. and 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 just keep going and trying to improve and yeah. taking notes of feedback that people give you when you, when you, your stuff gets turned down and just keep at it until your dream comes true. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And it sounds like you've surrounded yourself with um, friends and family that have been very supportive in your pursuits as far as your creative aspirations. I mean, that's just kind of a feeling that I get because you mentioned some names of some really good friends that you met from SCAD and and that you're working with them. Has that helped? I mean, do you feel that that contributes to being motivated? Uh, Very, very much. I mean, when I was young, my parents were hugely supportive and and I always just knew that I could do, I could pursue whatever I wanted to. And, uh, you know, my parents would buy me all these art books and all this stuff. They completely supported me. And, and, uh, you know, and even now, like my, my, so just very briefly, my, my mom passed away when I was young. And Mm. so to this day, my, my dad and my stepmother, who I'm, I'm very close to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they continue to completely support me in, in every way. And, and, and uh, yeah, so that's been really, really huge. I, I always, my heart is always broken when I hear about people whose parents completely shut them down whenever they want to pursue something like, like their dream. And and uh, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing. So so I've been I've been very very blessed to have that. Yeah, I think it really helps. Like I found, like being around my students, I've got like five or six students in class in my afternoon class. They constantly draw. And I was like, I was like, I haven't been drawing lately. And these kids are constantly drawing and it doesn't matter what it is. And I was like, I need to be doing that. <laughs> I was like, why am I not doing that? And it's just like, so I just, you know, that kind of just being around people who have that positive or just that they're doing certain habits that, you know, you're like, oh, I, I should be doing. And then that's where I started like getting back into more of my illustration work. And then I was like, you know. I was like, you know what? I have been, I have done my due diligence. I've sent out artwork. I've done some work in children's book um, publishing. And I was kind of like, you know what? What if I just put my artwork on stuff that I want to make? And, you know, like I I felt like, you know, I kind of that direction. And the kids, them drawing, and then it kind of led me to going, why don't I just try this? I'm always telling my students, you should be doing this. You should be doing, I should take my own advice. So, yeah, so coming up with my stationary line, I was like, you know what? I bet you I could do this. I bet you I could Google search it. I tell my students to do that all the time. So, yeah, so it was, it's been, yeah, it's been really liberating to say, hey, I'm not, I was never a risk taker. I was always like, you know, like I, you know, dot my I's, cross my T's kind of person. And I was always very, worried about like oh what if I fail what if I don't you know and I felt like in my creative life that I just kind of I could have gotten a lot farther farther in my illustration career but sometimes I didn't realize the rejections that I was getting that I talked to other writers and illustrators and I, I went to a conference and I said yeah I, I you know I've been getting these rejections and I, I get these letters and they you know and I didn't realize at the time I was like oh, you got a letter and it was specifically to you and they told you to have changes. And I was like, well, yeah, but they didn't like it and they didn't want, they're like, they didn't send you a form rejection, sweetie. You're like, you you actually, they liked your work, but they knew you needed to fine tune it. So I just was not like, I guess I always took it so personally that I just kind of would give up and then I'd be like, oh, but I didn't really see that there was another side to that rejection that, like you said, you rework it. You try to figure out like, how could I have made this better? Because um, most of the people I talked to, they're like, you, you actually got a letter that was specific to you and they don't 
do that very often, especially the big publishing companies. And they're like, yeah, they don't, they don't waste their time. <laughs> they just get the form one or you to get nothing. So they were like, yeah. you, just to yeah. get that, they were like, you're, you're, you know, so, but yeah, it's all a learning experience. And sometimes yeah. it, you know, takes longer to learn, <laughs> at least for me, I always had to learn everything the hard way. So. Well, I think you, you made me think of something else that I think has been so huge for me lately. I, um, one of the one of the leaders of, of my church said yeah. something that has just been so profound, and he said there are lessons that cannot be learned; they have to be earned. And and what I take out of that is, you can there are certain things you can study as much as you can, right? But but there's a certain point where like you just have to. It's stuff that you can't you can't learn from book learning. You have to learn it by experience, and like like your experience with getting the letter back in in you know. You have to you, you learn that by by putting yourself out there, and then as you go, you're like, oh, okay, that's how this works. That's how this whole industry works. And oh, okay, that's you know, but it's stuff that like you never could have figured that out if you just would have been too afraid to even put anything out there, right? Yes, and I think it's almost like you know you go through stages as a creative or an artist, like that kind of like just like you're growing, just as I don't know, from being a baby to you know childhood, and like I think I kind of it helped me being a teacher, like, realizing, like, because I, I, I was horrified, like, when I first finally got published as a children's book illustrator, I got an email from, like, a children's book festival in South Carolina, and they said, we would love to have you be a speaker there, and I was so wow. horrified. I was like, what? They want me to speak to, like, people about my work, and I was just, like, I, just the thought of, like, to, and, you know, it was, they were going to pay like 600 bucks for two hours. And I just was like, I told them no, because I was just so scared. I was just like, my as far as me being my comfort level. And now it's like, oh, I could do that in a heartbeat now because I've been a teacher for, um, this is my ninth year of teaching. And like, that would be like nothing. And I, I feel like I, like you said, you, you sometimes pass on opportunity. You don't realize like putting yourself out there and just trying like, most people are fairly forgiving if you do make a mistake. I've learned that with teaching because, yeah. yeah, with these kids, I go like, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to this that you're asking me, and we've got to figure it out together. And they're fairly, yeah, they, you know, they don't give me a lot of flack because I was at least up front with them that I didn't know, yeah. oops, I made a mistake, and they're going to help me along. So I think that that's been a huge learning experience that, the way we judge ourselves, you know, on that level, it's nowhere near as harsh as the way people, people are way more forgiving than we are on ourselves about our perception yeah, of things. That's a huge, yeah, I think that's a very wise insight. But again, you know, it's like one of the things you probably can't really learn until you experience it, right? Yes, and I feel like, yeah, totally what you said. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's like you have to earn it or be at that right point or I don't know, it just where things kind of like, ah, I see the other side of this, this, this positive side where I was always like, oh, so yeah, that's, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. Well, another thing too, you made me think of too, is it's like, you know, that, so that New York comic convention was where I went and met Peter Laird was the first yeah. comic convention that I'd ever been to. Yeah. And so I really had no, there was a lot of stuff I was like, I'm not really sure how comic conventions even work. I hear yeah. about them, but I've never been to one. And so, and once I was there, I was like, oh, okay, they give you a little badge, and yeah. that's how much you get in, and 
we do this and this and this. And okay, so then, you know, when I went to other conventions, I was like, oh yeah, I totally have been through this before. I know what this is. And it's funny, I actually found out a couple of years ago, I found out what a green room is. Oh. And, and there's a lot of people that know what a green room is, but yeah. I had never really heard of that before. Yeah. And I was there with Robert. He's like, oh yeah, we can go over to the green room and hang out and get some food. And I was like, this is the green room. You know, yeah. and it's where all the professionals hang out when they're not on the floor. And, oh, nice. And, and I was like, oh, okay. And now whenever I hear, you know, and now I realize I hear green room like all the time. I'm like, yeah. I totally know what you're talking about. I know yeah. what it is. And, you know, but I never would have known that if I wasn't out there doing all these things, yeah. right? Yeah, I think that's really inspirational and in how you just, you know, took a story that you had from when you were like all those years and to you know was there something specific that you could tell us about like what was that turning point where you were just like because you always carried that story with you um and then what was the point six years ago that you were just like you know was there a tipping point or something that said hey i gotta i just gotta do this i've got to publish this make this into a reality what was it for me, well, for, for, and you're talking Under the Runestone. Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm so, yeah. I just, I think what it is, what, what has really resonated with that story for me was, like I said, I was in ninth grade, and when I first had the idea, it popped, it popped into my head, and I just, and the characters in the story are, are high school students, and it just became a way for me to explore all of things that I was, feeling and thinking and, you know, longing for and all that stuff, like, when I was that age, and, and you know, and, and things, and, it, and I've, you know, and as my life has continued on, and I've kind of learned life lessons, I kind of incorporate that in these characters, so just, to me, it's a very personal story, it's a very personal story where I get to explore mm-hmm. a lot of the interesting things in life, and the questions, and the experiences, and, and so these characters have really just become very close to me, um, and, you know, and then I get to add in, like, ninjas and robots and huge fight scenes and yeah. superpowers which is like awesome so yeah. <laughs> but that's you know so it's kind of like yeah i think that that's what really has made this one story out of all the other ideas i've had this is one that's really stuck with me because the the characters and the and the, the the things that the story explores are just very personal to me and and uh yeah so yeah. do you think i know this is like one of those what if questions but what if this does, you know, once it's out there, you get you get this amazing following with this, you know, comic book. And you've seen, I see this in other industries, and then they're, like, approach you to be like, hey, we'd love to turn that into a movie, you know, or things like that. Do you feel like those are things that you would ever contemplate? Like, because you've, you've worked so hard, you've, you've carried this story with you. Like, are those things that you would ever consider allowing other people like then you have other writers saying like you know and all of that in there and you've seen what it's like being on that end of it but like would you allow that would you you know how you feel about because yeah absolutely actually and uh, pretty much from the get-go i always pictured it as a movie at the same time as a comic book Uh so that's always like my dream is to make it a comic book and a movie and you know, people talk about, oh, they totally sold out, and, you know, but I'm like, in my mind, it's like, you take a really cool idea, and then you explore it in a bunch of different media, um, you know, and there's things that can happen in a movie that wouldn't work mm-hmm. in the comic book, and there's things in the, you know, then vice versa, and, and I'd love to see it made into, like, video games and explore all the cool stuff, and oh. I actually wrote a movie script of it, like, wow. long, long, long time ago. I would need to completely redo, Okay. you know, now that I've 
way more experience and everything. And but yeah, I absolutely am. I, I obviously there's always that fear of like, okay, let's let's see what this contract would say and like how yeah. much creative control I would retain. Yeah. Because um, there are, you know, as we all know, there are like what like say movies that come out that are like like Cowboys and Aliens, right? Came out yeah. and and pretty much the only thing that remained true to the original comic book was that it was called Cowboys and Aliens, mm. and uh, which was fine, you know. Which is fine because I I thought I actually really liked the movie and I thought it was way better than the original comic book <laughs> in my own humble opinion. Oh, gotcha. You know, so, uh, but it happens, you know. Yeah. They can take an idea and pretty much called that, but it's not that person's story anymore at that point. And so, yeah, so I'd have to see because this is the one I, I definitely would want to see things right. I definitely would be yeah. open to other writers and creators coming in saying, well, we're thinking for the movie version of this, it makes more sense for this. Thing to happen instead of what happens in the original source material or to for us to develop this character in such a way that this and this right um so i'd be open to that and, yeah. and, and i think like i said there are some super talented people out there that that i'd be very open to them and their ideas and be like oh you know that would be a really cool take on the whole thing and and i think that that would really work for this so so I'm, i try to be open to other people's ideas and just realize that collaboration can be a really positive thing sometimes so yeah, that's amazing. I just think it's really interesting that you've already been thinking about, you know, scalability and just like, just a broader yeah. mark, uh, just audience that you would be able to bring your story to, you know, that, and they could enjoy it. Yeah. Well, then, you know, of course, Marvel is kind of like the the standard now of of that, where we're now the you know the movies have just introduced characters that were only pretty much you know were hugely popular among yeah. a certain demographic, but. Yeah. But now everybody knows who Iron Man is. Everybody oh, loves yeah. Iron Man. You know, everybody yeah. loves you know Ant Man, and and uh, and everybody knows about him. And 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 I love that they have taken these characters and they've taken what made them special in their original comics, but they've just kind of said, well, this is the MCU version of this character. Mm-hmm. You know, They're, that history. It's okay if there's this his, this character's history is different than what it was in the original comic book. Like they can make some of those changes, and and obviously it's worked really well because. All the all the Marvel movies have been solid and really yeah. really well done and awesome and and yeah there, there's lots of big differences between those and the comics but they've kind of become their own thing and then and then yeah. like you said and it's found this whole mainstream audience that never would have picked up a comic book ever and and now are really just loving these characters and these stories so yeah and it's like one of those things it kind of amazes me like that story goes on like you know like generations from generation like stories like i grew up like you know just whether they're comic book characters or you know like especially like marvel universe it's like my son he now enjoys those same characters and like generation and almost like one of those things that just kind of ties us our popular culture together like we could all reference that and say like oh yeah you know i i've seen a spider-man movie or i've seen this and oh yeah you remember like oh back in the day like oh my gosh like like um you know, I tell my kids, like, oh, they love the Wonder Woman, you know, movie, but I'm like, oh my gosh, but did you see Linda Carter when she was in Wonder Woman? You know, like, we could still talk about it, even though it's generationally a little bit different. Mine is more Linda Carter. I do love the new Wonder Woman, but I kind of go like, yeah, but you should, you know, the classics, you gotta, you know, go back to that, too, and enjoy that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating how writing and art can you know continue to live on like that? I just I think that's really yeah. cool. So. Yeah, I really love it. I I, I mean, again, 
talking about Ninja Turtles, you know, yeah. how, how many times have the Ninja Turtles been reinvented, right? Like, how yeah. many versions of the Ninja Turtles have there been? When you think of all the different, you know, the, the movies, as opposed to the comics, as opposed to the other publishers that did their own version of the Turtles, as opposed to, you know, um, and there's something cool in each one of those. So so it's like, yeah, one day my kids will, will love the Ninja Turtles, and I'll be like, actually, yeah, I, like, I really like what they've done with this version of the Turtles. But actually, in the version I grew up with, they did this and this and this, and it was really cool. But I really like how they've interpreted this character and the way that they're doing it now, you know. And so, so yeah, I love that. I love, I love that you can, that you can have that. You can take a character that's really cool and then reinvent it in several different ways that can all be really cool and really creative in their own way. And then you can, like you said, you can enjoy it with from generation to generation to generation. So definitely. So the last question I'm going to ask you is at the end of your life, it, it's sort of a <laughs> deep question, but I, I, I have to be honest, I stole it off of Lewis Howey's <laughs> inspirational <laughs> podcast. He does the, the school of greatness and he just, and he asks this every single time. And I've just really liked it to, and so I ask everybody on my podcast. So at the end of your life, you've made, um, you've done all the writing or art that you've wanted to, and you've lived a full life. If there could be nothing left behind of your existence but a note you've written with three final truths, what would those truths be? Okay, well, so um, I would say the biggest ones for me would be that. So I, you, we've talked about this, I think, but I'm a religious person. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and I will say that that my relationship with God. Uh, is by far the most, that's the driving force of my entire life. So that would be the big number one is just like, hey, you know, like God is real. Mm -hmm. He loves us. You know, the gospel is true. And, and, and you know, so that would be my, the biggest thing. Because I know that for me, that, that has been the thing that, that really is what life is all about, what really brings yeah. meaning and happiness the most. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's, other than that, like, as far as, but as far as like the, the other creative stuff, um, I would just say like, you know, follow your dreams, you know, do what you love and, and do what makes you happy, you know, do what makes you happy. And, and, and then the third thing would be, would kind of wrap all those three things together, I think. And that would be, um, you know, make the world a better place and you can make the world a better place by, by honor, honoring God and honoring your your family and by using your talents and using your the things that you create the things you love to make the world a better place whether that's through you know inspiring characters or story or beautiful artwork that that uplifts people and um yeah so that, that that's probably off the top of my head that'd be like the three big things that i would like to leave behind that's great well thank you so much for being on my podcast and i really enjoy just hearing about some of the, you know, just the process that you go through of creating your work and um, and taking your time out to do this. So thank you so much, Glenn. Thank you. It's been a really, it's been an awesome blast. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for this opportunity. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Okay. Well, um, thank you guys for listening to My Creative Life. This was episode six. And um, I'll post some of the information that we mentioned in the podcast in the description box. And thank you guys so much for listening. All right. Bye. <laughs>